Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Suzanne Lasser, and today Yarina Sencion speaks with Sanat Karaza about her multilingual life and the role each version of her identity plays in her work. Sanat Karaza is an internationally acclaimed poet and author with works translated in seven languages. She is also a professor at the University of Missouri in Kansas City. During this powerful conversation between Sanat and Yarina, we once again touch on the beauty of Nahuatl, the language of the Aztecs still in use today, that when European colonization began, could be heard from Mexico to Panama. Sanat moves us with a reading of one of her poems, talks about her obsession with paper, and how writing for her is a life force. Let's listen in. Welcome, Sanat, to Bilingual in America. This is such a true honor. I've heard so much about you, your work, your contributions, and so excited to share this space with you. Muchas gracias. Buenos días or buenas tardes, whatever our listeners are in the part this, in any part of the world. Muchas gracias, Janina. The honor is mine for this invitation, for the space, for your interest on my work. And, uh, and here, we are. here we are. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, my goodness. Such an honor. Before we talk about your work as an educator, I want to acknowledge that you have been called a national treasure by many for your poetry and short stories that are written both in English and Spanish and translated throughout the world. You're an author of over 20 books and you have more in the making and have received numerous awards for your work. Your poetry is found in the Smithsonian Institute's Virtual Latino Museum. So tell us about your passion for writing. Well, every time someone asks me about that, I always like to start with this line, which is writing is like air to me because I cannot live without writing. I think it's my way of coping, my way of being involved with the world. It's meaningful, it's intentional, and uh, it's a way of being happy to if I stop writing for any reason, one day I, I just feel out of place. So um, I very diligently wake up early in the morning and I write a few lines or sometimes pages. And I don't worry about editing or having the perfect poem or the perfect short story the first time I write it. I just let the words flow, let them rest and then come back to them. So in the mornings, when I write, I'm also, if I'm not writing, I'm, I'm editing but or, or reading again or taking a novel that I just thought might be a good passage that will complement what I'm doing to get some fresh ideas. Uh, but I have to be 
in the process of writing, editing, or getting ready to, to write more. So it's like air to me. I've never heard anyone describe writing is like air to them, right? Air that is, is a life force. If right? you don't have air, you can live, right? And I, I also appreciate what you said about you let it flow and you let it rest. Yes. I yes. think that that's a really important thing for a writer to embrace, you know, because we're, I feel like we're, we live in a world driven by perfection. Everyone says, oh, you don't have to be perfect. But in the back of their mind, they're saying be perfect. But that is the process of anything that's creative and beautiful. You let Absolutely. it flow and then you let it rest. Let it rest. Come back to that and you edit and then come back to that again let it rest come back to that because I, I and I explain that when I give a, like a writing workshop from here into our, our brains to the page the, the the intention or the idea of writing something it could take us years so write it down go for it don't be afraid of the page write it down when it's written you can fix it but first you have to put it on the page Right. Make that commitment to the page. Yes. I love that. So now let's pivot a little bit and let's talk a little bit about your work as an educator. You are a professor of Spanish and literature at the University of Missouri. And there's been a national emphasis in supporting bilingual and multilingual students and education. What impact, if any, have you seen at the college level with your students? Well, I work at the Department of Foreign Languages and Literatures at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And uh, what we teach, we focus on uh, European languages and uh, Spanish, uh, of course, is one of them. So I don't uh, work per se with heritage speakers, but uh, I have several students that have a background, either Latinos from somewhere in the Americas. We don't have a specific bilingual program at the university but of course, I love people to love what they bring with them. So anytime I have a chance to work with someone who has a background from Latin America or born here in the U.S. with a family in Latin America, roots in Latin America, I'm always encouraging those people to be and become proud because that's how it should be, right? We should be very proud. We, we come from very ancient, ancestral cultures that have been here in the Americas for many centuries and Spanish is not the first language, right? We have the indigenous languages. Uh, Spanish came with the colonization. So it was an, a language that was imposed to our ancestors, but we have to rescue that. We are a result of that colonization. So we, we have to also celebrate that part that we are a part of that now. So I encourage people to be proud. It is very important for me. I work, I've been teaching for many, many years as, as your experience is too. And to make my students understand who they are, it's very important. But anybody, it doesn't have to be a student or young person. We need to understand who we are in order to be proud. Uh, we have so many rich, deep inside our, inside our toolbox that I always say that we are not aware that we have that tool in the my in my toolbox of life, right? And we yes. need to become aware of those little tools that we have there, um, know how to use them and be proud. Yeah, it's a yeah. process, it's a process. Absolutely, you know, I, I find lately as I, I speak with more people, this theme of identity, mm. 
keeps coming up the importance of connecting to one's identity, all of your identity. And as you said, we are a result of colonization. So we, we don't want to deny that no. part. That's how we live. But we want to embrace all of it. And celebrate what we have, right? Good, bad, etc. Many centuries ago, it happened. This is what I am. But what is it that I am, right? Where do I come from? Indigenous, Black, Asian, because Latin America is so diverse that we are not just Indigenous, Spanish, African. We have lots of Asian influence too that people forget to talk about and many other places, yes. So important. So I think that this is a perfect segue for our next uh, question, which is, you know, in an earlier episode, we spoke to Luis Garcia, who is a dual language educator and a bilingual advocate and a board member of the dual language New Mexico, about the work in preserving the Natwal language. Mm-hmm. Can you tell our audience about those efforts at the university level or even in your in your in your reach? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, well, let's talk about Nahuatl, right? So. What is Nahuatl? Nahuatl is the language of the Aztec, the Mexica people, who were the largest group and the group in power in what we understand now as Mexico, because the culture, uh, the political divisions didn't exist as they, they, they are now. And um, so Nahuatl was also imposed in Mexico among other different indigenous groups, right? Nowadays, we have 68 indigenous groups with their own language still alive in Mexico plus the dialects, plus the different variants, right? From, for example, Mayan has so many different uh, dialects. And then the language, now what the language of the Aztecs was alive, more or less about mid-Mexico up until Panama. And uh, same as the Quechua, right? With the Inca empire that was all over South America, mostly because of the, they were in power, right? So, uh, I know in other universities, they are uh, working with the language of the Aztecs, Nahuatl. We don't have any Nahuatl program, unfortunately, but I always encourage people, right? And my students, if I teach a class that is like in diversity or identity, uh, research your roots, right? Research your roots. What part of Mexico are you from? Or what part of Latin America are you from? What indigenous groups do we have? So nowadays we have still more than 2 million now as speakers. My mother grew up bilingual between Spanish, uh, Spanish and Nahuatl, precisely, up until she was eight years old. She's not Mexica, she is uh, Tenec, she's from the Huasteca. The Huasteca region is on the Veracruz, on the Gulf Coast. We have three Huasteca regions, but she belongs to the one that is on Veracruz. So they have their own language, Tenec. But uh, she grew, but because of this imposition, and it continued many years, right? People kept speaking Nahuatl. So she grew up between the Tenec language and the Nahuatl, mostly Nahuatl, and Spanish, up until she was eight years old. Then she assimilated to Mexico City, basically, where she went to study. And she had it there in the back of her mind. I didn't know she spoke Nahuatl until we went. We used to go visit my grandmother. And one time I was really little. I realized she was speaking something else and it was amazing. It was surprising. It just got stuck in my mind. There were all these women. We went to visit her. They arrived as people do in little towns, small towns, and they just came in and stayed there for hours. And I was playing around somewhere outside the house. When I came back, I said, what is she speaking? What is she talking? What is she, what language is this? 
That's the first time I realized she spoke Nahuatl, my mother. So I, 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 if you want, I can share a little, just one paragraph of a poem that I titled Mujer, Woman, right? And the, she, my mother translated the poem for me. It's the first and only poem that she translated for me into the Nahuatl language. She said, next time you have to find a professional translator. <laughs> it's very hard to translate a, a, a poem or any piece of liter literature. So this poem, Mujer, I wrote many, many years ago. And it talks about what I used to think, what a woman uh, was experiencing, what problems was facing. So I'm just going to read uh, one paragraph so people can hear the Nahuatl language and what Europeans heard when they came into the Americas. And not in 1492, because they arrived to the islands first, but in 1519, when they came to Mexico. So in, and I can challenge you all to say, Siwatl, Siwatl, that means woman, mujer. Tlatoli tenmo nenemilia y panton tenchipal, tikamahti campane, cuatinich la yeyecapa miyotlia. Juan tlajecapa tlamasi kamati, totomosa non tonal, ni sacilia tote cotlenki, ajamahti non la lamiquilis. Mujer, palabra que se disuelve entre los labios, encantamiento de los bosques con sus aromas más exquisitos, viento suave que toca el alma, susurro de dioses que encanta mi, que encanta mi corazón. Word that dissolves between lips, enchantment from the forest with the most exquisite aromas, soft wind that touches the soul, whispering from gods that charms my reason. Such beautiful, poetic, just touch my heart language. I loved every version of that small snippet that you shared with us thank you so much thank you gracias gracias my pleasure yes. so many times sometimes people i think feel um saddened that they don't know something about their ancestry until it comes up organically you know like the way you found out about your mom and i think that that it's okay i think what's important is that we ask the questions or we pay attention and we make those connections and we continue to go deeper and deeper into, into our culture, our identity, and, and understand all the pieces that make us us. And makes us very rich. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Our hashtag at Bilingual America is speak your beauty. And clearly you speak your beauty in multiple, multiple ways in your literature, in your poetry, in your work with your students. Are there any other unique ways that you speak your beauty out into the world? Well, I think writing is my media, definitely. Paper, I always say, I'm a writer, I'm obsessed with paper. I used to work with paper mache and I used to use the paper from my, all the previous drafts that I printed. So I used to recycle them in my paper mache art. Not anymore. I'm focusing on writing. On writing. I decided to focus on writing because I can spread very easily and get uh, entangled with other things, which is fine, absolutely. But my heart is calling my words, my letters, my writing. So paper. So writing is my media, I guess. <laughs> yes. That's beautiful. And writing is a way to leave 
messages, to leave a legacy, to leave. Once it's written, it exists for others to see and learn from and experience. So it's a really important medium for sure. It's going to be there forever, for good or bad. <laughs> forever, yes. I would just want to give you an opportunity to share where people can find your books. You said before we started recording that you have books in the making. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Um, Flower and Song Press is going to publish soon my book that is called La Mariposa de Jacqueline, Jacqueline's Butterfly, which is a book of poetry that is inspired by Jacqueline Cal, the first migrant children that dead in custody of the U.S. Uh, government, unfortunately, officers, the Border Patrol. Uh, she was a seven-year-old Mayan girl, and unfortunately, she got a fever, she got sick, and she died. So that happened a few years back, but it always got stuck in my mind. So I just couldn't, couldn't forget that, and I started writing. So that's, that's why it's called Jacqueline's Cal, La Mariposa de Jacqueline. Jacqueline's Cal Butterfly, yeah. So that's one damn book. And I'm also going to be a featured reader in the International Poetry Festival. Flower Song Press is organizing uh, in April. So we will be presenting the book there. And also the, there is a, the translation of my book, Lagrima Roja, that received first place for best book of poetry in Spanish in 2000, I think, 18. Finally, it was, it's the only book that was published in Spanish and it received first place. So now the translation into English and Greek, both are coming together at the same time in one book. And I think they said around by the end of, of February. And Lagrima Roja is based on all the feminicides that are happening in Mexico. And I'm a woman, so I'm very concerned of everything that's going on there. So um that's my little contribution to, to these women say their names aloud, right? Don't forget them. I, I see that you also use your writing to contribute to social justice and to women's rights. And I think that's really important. And, and I thank you. I thank you for speaking your beauty in multiple ways. I thank you for, for speaking these women's names out loud, though we don't forget we learn from their sacrifices. And I thank you for spending this time with me. You are truly a national treasure thank and certainly a treasure to me. So thank, thank you. you. So much, thank you. I appreciate all the time that we spent and uh, hopefully we can still continue talking more uh, in the future. Yes. More contributions, more to say. You can continue to teach us and guide us and, uh, and continue to contribute to the world in that beautiful way. Just in the atmosphere. <laughs> In the atmosphere. I think that's going to be the name of the uh, episode. In the atmosphere. Beautiful. Why not? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> As I edited the recording for today's episode, I kept replaying the conversation between Yarina and Sana as I experienced a variety of emotions. I was moved by the beauty of her recitation of just one paragraph of her poem, Siwatum. I fell silent reflecting on her 2018 book of poems, Lagrima Roja, being translated and released in Greek and English and honoring those women who fell victim to femicide in Mexico. And I felt heavy when thinking about her newest book of poems, Jacqueline's Butterfly, in 
inspired by the death of the first child in U.S. custody as part of the crisis at the border. The weight of each of these works captures Sanat's commitment to sharing her undeniable gift with the world and why as a writer, she must let it all flow and rest. As we come to the end of Women's History Month, we are privileged to highlight Sanat, another strong, intelligent, dynamic, vibrant, and creative soul who speaks her beauty. Yarina and I, through our podcast, are intentional about our effort to elevate and expand the conversation on the bilingual, multilingual experience in America. Each episode focuses on our guests through a lens that lets you, our listener, hear the strength, beauty, and joy it takes to be bilingual in America. It is our sincere hope that with each episode, we encourage you to always speak your beauty. The 15th annual Rio Grande Valley International Poetry Festival runs from April 28th to May 1st. It is a hybrid virtual event. Sanath Carasa will be featured at the poetry lecture scheduled for Thursday, April 28th at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. She will also provide a poetry reading and workshop on Saturday, April 30th at 2.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. Her workshop will revolve around her poem, no one heard your cries. Nadie escuchó tu llanto. Sandra Kingery will be serving as translator. It also bears to mention that Sanath Carasa was also nominated for Woman of the Month for Sigma Tau Delta, the English Honor Society at the University of Missouri, Kansas City for Women's History Month. What a great and deserving honor. To register for the Poetry Festival, please visit valleypoetryfest.org. As we close this month series on diverse and phenomenal game changers, we are humbled and honored by the commitment that these women carry. Their creativity and compassion exemplify what they're committed to time and time again. We will resume our bi-weekly episode releases in the month of April. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. By sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm Bilingual in America and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast, you are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback. Follow us like us, share us.